Jesus as Lord. Well, when you accept Jesus as Lord, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and new things have come. So Romans 10, 9, and 10, if this is, if you need to know how to get born again or you need to tell someone how to get born again, this is what you, this is, this is the blueprint. This is the instruction manual for that. Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord because you have believed it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And that's, that's how you do all of your confessing. You believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth, and then you have deliverance. Then you have healing. Then you have salvation. Then you have all your needs met. Then you have financial prosperity. Everything you have need of is because you believe in your heart what God did on the cross with Jesus and you confess it with your mouth. Amen. Okay. So that's how you get born again, but that's how you continue to live your life because you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart. You say, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth and I'm delivered and I'm saved. And I'm healed. So then I already quoted that second Corinthians one, but, um, let's see, that's five seventeen. Second Corinthians five seventeen. If you're jotting notes down, um, therefore, if you've accepted Jesus as Lord, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. The old things have passed away. New things have come. Now, all these things are from God. All these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Then, then in verse 21, you see that we are then become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are in a right standing position. We can come boldly before the, his throne and talk to him about anything we have need of as long as you're in that right standing position. Like this morning we dealt with, if there's an area where you've, you've missed it, you repent you, you ask him to forgive you and receive cleansing, and then you move right back into that right standing position again, Amen. where you can. You, there's nothing between you and him, Amen. nothing. Okay, so so that's all of that in a nutshell. Um, when we got born again, God imparted His nature to us, which if He gave it to Jesus and Jesus, then we accept Jesus as Lord, then we have life and we have it abundantly. Amen. We have life and life abundantly. And, okay, so let's look at John 1, 4 then, where we kind of talked about last week a little bit. Um, I, I, basically, where we're going today is we're going to talk about um, keeping our fire hot. Our fire hot. Our fire, our light, our life hot, hot. Hot. Okay. Uh, One four. In him, in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Okay. So, so the light of life, life is in us. We accept Jesus as Lord. So that life then, or that light, shines bright. Amen? Shines bright. And so if you go on and see... um, John, it talks about, goes on and talks, starts talking about John coming and he was, he was laying the groundwork for the light to come. Um, verse eight, he was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. Verse nine, there was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man, enlightens every man. That was verse nine. And then, um, he was in the world, verse 10, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the well, the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. They were born of God, so they, they received that life. They received that light, okay? So, so... Um, we're just going to, I'm just going to show you a little bit. This is what you carry. Okay, see, see, the, the, there's darkness, but each one of you has a light on, 
of life, the light of life on the inside of you. I'm trying not to shine it in your eyes, but has the life, the light on the inside of you. Amen. Has light on the inside of you. So, so when you see that the, the light then cannot dispel, the darkness cannot dispel the light. Darkness cannot overtake it. You see what I'm saying? Darkness cannot overtake the light. That is, you have to keep your light bright. You have to keep your light or life or fire burning hot. Okay? Now, if you start putting a foot into the world, start spending time in the things of the world, what happens to your light? It gets dimmer and dimmer, doesn't it? So so it's really important that we... um, we focus, okay, thank you. We focus on um, the light that's within us so that because it dispels darkness and it keeps it from overtaking us. Amen? You all see that? See, that's why he said not to put a bushel on it because if you put a bushel, if you, if you get into the sin in the world or you spend time in the world, you're going to start hindering your light and it's not going to reach people. It's not going to touch anybody else. Remember I talked about last week the, the, uh, when the sun tries to come through the clouds, it can't, it can't shine as bright as it could. It has to filter through. You see the rays, it has to filter through. That's what happens when you're in a place of sin. The light has to filter through, and it doesn't do. It isn't walking in the, in the ability that it could. It isn't reaching the people that it could. It isn't bringing deliverance and light and healing and hope to people that it could if it was as bright as the sun. You, you, have you ever sat in the sun? Sit in the sun? Sat in the sun? <laughs> have you ever sat in the sun, and it's so bright you can hardly stand it? That's what we should be, so bright that people people are drawn to that just like just like uh, what is the bugs in the winter time? There in the summertime, there mosquito? No mosquitoes, right? Moths are drawn to it too. Yeah, that's right. But the ones that go zap, 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 isn't that mosquitoes? No. <laughs> Lightning bugs? No. Mosquitoes? It's mosquitoes. I I was right. You guys are trying to throw me off. Anyway, <laughs> mosquitoes, you know, they go zap, 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 zap. Well, they're drawn to that. So, you know, people are drawn to our light, and then we can zap them, right? Zap them? Okay. Anyway, that's, that wasn't part of my teaching, so just write that out. Anyway, so Matthew. Let's go to Matthew 5.14. 5.14. We talked about this scripture verse last week, too. Um, And this is kind of what I was just saying. You are the light of the world. Say, I am am. the light of the world. world. A city city. set on a hill hill. cannot be hidden, hidden. nor do men men. light a lamp lamp. and put it under the peck measure. measure. But we put it on the lampstand and it gives light. To all who are in the house, let your light shine. I will let my light shine before men in such a way that they may see my good works and give glory to God who is in heaven. Amen. Amen. So we're supposed to let our light shine in such a way that it, it, it actually draws people to us, draws people to us. Amen. So so the way you act, the way you conduct yourself, how people see you as full of joy, full of peace, full of life. If you've got the life inside of you, then it should be emanating out of you all the time. That's your goal, to get it all the time manifesting out of you. That's where it should be, all the time, all the time. The joy of the Lord should always be on your face. Oh, man, that's a hard thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it should be. It should be all the time. doesn't matter if you just got an F in the class. In your school, it doesn't matter if you got an F there. What are you going to do about it? It's your choice. 
<laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if um, so-and-so come up and slap you in the face. You're going to turn the other cheek and pray for him and bless him? Or are you going to slap him back? Huh? The joy of the Lord is always on our face. Love is always on our face. Peace is always on our face. It should be. It should be. If it's not, why isn't it? I mean, find out. You're, you're in charge of you. Why isn't it? Deal, and then if it isn't, find out why it isn't and then deal with it. What do I need to do to gird that area? Do I need to do I need to look at more scripture verse? Do I need to pray more? Do I need to just spend more fellowship time with the Father? Amen. What do you need to do? Because see, that's where the church has to that's where we're going and that's where we have to be. If we want if we want to be a light, a remnant of light in this in these last days, that's where the church has to be. We we can't have one foot in a problem area and one foot trying to serve God and and meet the needs of people and over here I, you know years past if i knew i had been in a place of strife let's say with my husband i would not minister i did not minister or he didn't until we dealt with it until we dealt with it there was very few times but until we dealt with it until we repented and dealt with it until we dealt with it we didn't do it, you know, or, or say I was in strife, even mental strife with someone. If I was in mental strife and you know, that, that particular area, the Lord is zeroing in on me lately. Any kind of, any kind of negative thought life about anybody, any kind of a judging thought about anything it has to stop. That's what he's dealing with me. It has to stop all of those thoughts, all of those thoughts like that. They don't produce life, they produce death. And, and we are all about producing life, amen? We're producing life. So any of thoughts that don't line up with God's word or God's love or God's peace or whatever, any of those thoughts, those are all, all things that need to be dealt with. Need to be, even if they never come out of your mouth, those thoughts need to be dealt with because they're, they're causing... It's like a little canker thing that's eating away on the inside of you if you don't deal with them. It's just going to keep eating away, and pretty soon you're going to blow up. You know what I mean? You're just going to blow up in their face. You have to deal with them. And, they're, and you know, who's, who's on your side? God's on your side. There is no problem that God can't deal with. There is none. God is on your side. He's on your side. And of course, whoever you're upset with, he's on their side too. <laughs> so there you have to come to this place of uh, who's, you deal with yours, you deal with yours, and we'll deal with God. Then you can come back together and deal with that. Amen? Amen. So, um, hmm. okay, so in him was life. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. So you don't want your light hidden. You don't want your light uh, a problem with your light. Okay. Um, now let's look at Matthew three, back up just a little bit. Matthew three, Matthew three, 11. And, and we're talking about, this is, um, um, John the Baptist talking and, and he starts here, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire and fire. And of course, I got this really good picture. It has to do with my husband, but it was a good picture. He, the way he would always start fires, he would, <laughs> he would get a can of gasoline <laughs> and that's how he'd start the fires. He'd throw the gasoline and then he'd run. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw him do this or not, but, and then, I mean, I'd never seen that done before. <laughs> and so he would do that and it would just be, it wouldn't just be, you know, the fire wouldn't just start. It would just explode and it would just be boom like that. 
It'd just be huge all of a sudden. So then I understood why he ran when he threw it, you know. But anyway, that's what happens. That's the picture the Lord gave me. See, we have that light and that fire on the inside of us. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's like gasoline is thrown on it and just goes boom like that. It explodes on the inside of us. Now, we do, like I said, we do things. We do things to squelch that fire. Some of it, some of it can just be we, we don't want to look radical. Remember when I said to you several weeks back, the Lord told me we need to be radical. We need to be radical. <laughs> well, we we haven't even come close to being radical, and so, 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 we need to be radical in the things of God. Radical, radical. So anyway, so that's what the Holy Spirit is going to cause that fire. That fire to burn hot, hot. Okay, so there's, like I was saying earlier, there are churches around that are dry and there's sticks. And, and you just, I mean, I've been in, I've been in, I mean, two times, not in churches, but I've been in Bible studies two or three times where, where um, I mean, I've done Bible studies, but, you know, you can, you can tell when you go in and do a Bible study that it's it's dry sticks when when you're you going into a, a denominational church or a, um, a people a group of people let's say that don't know a lot about the things of God and you can tell you feel the pull on the inside and they're so dry and it's just one thing after another they want to know or one thing after another you're explaining to them and you're trying to light that fire on the inside of them and it's just dry sticks and you're trying to get it burning have you ever experienced that before some of you guys have done bible studies you can you can tell you can tell they're hurting they want to know more because they're asking so many questions but it's just like one thing after another one thing after another that they want to know it's so it's like throwing gasoline on dry sticks it's it's just you you watch these people come alive but then you also watch them go back into the denominational church where they're not going to stay alive i'm serious they're just not going to stay alive there Anyway, so um, so so our light should shine in such a way that people see um, see our good works um, and give glory to God. Uh, there was an, another situation that years back there was a number of churches and some of them were denominational. They were all coming together to pray for the Shekinah glory. Some of you might remember this. I don't know if you do, Rob, or not, but I don't know about Ron. But they were all praying together. They wanted to see the Shekinah glory come. Well, well, it did. And then they didn't want it, you know. And, and so, you know, in that, God's going to manifest himself and bring deliverance to people, bring healing to people. Well, when, when and there was about three couples we were involved in praying for somebody that needed deliverance. Do you know where they put us? They didn't. It wasn't done so that the church could see it and God get glory. They put us in the back room, shut the door, said, go ahead and minister to this couple. And that's where we were. Well, how do you, how do you have the Shekinah glory if they don't want it? If they, if they want to, if they want to hide from it, how do you have that manifest? You, you don't, it doesn't. God couldn't do what he wanted to do in that church. So it left, he left. So I want, I want. This church to be a church that God can do something in. God can move in. He can have his way. I, you know, um, if he wants to do worship, the whole service, I want him to have his way in that. You know, I want him to have his way in that. We could have almost gone that way this morning. But um, I, I, want him to, I want him to have full reign. That's my heart. I, I want to just step back. You do it. What do you want done? What do you want done, Lord? I'm, I'm purposing to try to do that anyway, to give him, give him place so that he can say and do what he wants to do, you know. Um, anyway, so, so that's just an example. If we're going to pray for revival, we're going to pray for just a kind of glory, then, then uh, we need to be ready for whatever he does in that. Amen? Um, okay. Um, okay, 
you have to choose to walk in the fire. Let's look at, um, um, let's see. yeah, I think so. We'll go to First Kings. First Kings now, in, this is something that I, I, I saw in, um, when I was prepping. You know, the, you know, this is the Baal, the Baal gods were in charge of, um, well, let's see what verse 18. I mean, there's some ahead of that that we could talk about where Elijah predicted the, the drought and the, and the Baal was the God over that area. Um, let me see if I can explain this right. Baal has become a God in many different regions, different places, and he takes on a different thing. It's not always the same thing. One one thing there was that they worshipped him because of the land and the rain and the sun and all that. So what God do? He had Elijah pray and commanded the rain to stop. Uh-uh. Just to prove I'm in charge here, not you, not that God. Okay. So so what was getting ready to happen was that God had told Elijah, okay, we're going to go ahead and we're going to um, have have a um, have a, let's see, what's the word? A competition. <laughs> Is that a good word? Um, verse 18 of chapter 18 of First Kings is where we're at. So he met up with Ahab and um, uh, basically Ahab uh, said to him, um, was just met up with him, I think, um, uh, however they came together, it tells you how it does. But anyway, in verse 18, he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. Basically, I haven't, I wasn't the one. I stopped the rain, but you and your father, you guys have started worshiping the Baal gods. And you are the one that's troubling this country, not me, not God, okay? Um, and he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. Okay, they moved away from the things of God and they started following the Baal gods. You see that right there, the commandments? And and I was just doing some research on on, on Baal and and um like I said, his his character is different in different nations. They worship him differently, whatever whatever it is. But I I found something I had no idea was going on in this country. I had no idea. Maybe some of you did. But there is a, and this was the, article was in 2017. So I'm sure it still goes on. It's probably bigger. Uh, Hopefully not. But there was, um, I think, 70,000 Baal worshipers that came together in in Nevada. And um, they worshiped and they spend time worshiping. They do some ugly things, some wrong things that I'm not even going to talk about. But it's Wiccans, and occult, it's um, promiscuity stuff, all kinds of stuff that goes on. And, and did you know this is the largest, it was the largest, um, the largest one, the largest worshiper get-together of, of Baal. It was in America, is in America. America! <laughs> anyway, so other nations now have picked it up. They see that we're doing it here. So there's other nations that are doing it. Israel, it's even happening in Israel. So anyway, it's, it's, um, um, I, I just want to take you through what, what Elijah did to deal with it. Verse 19, now then send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? How long are you going to, how long are you going to try to figure out, are you on God's side or are you on the devil's side? How long? How long are you going to hesitate? If the Lord is God, follow him. That's what I would say to the church today. If, if you know the Lord is God, then follow him. Get out of the world. Get out of the world. Get out of the world. It only takes one little thing that you're doing in the world to pull you to hell. It only takes one. Okay? 
But the people did not answer him a word. Then verse 22, then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So he was, he was alone, 450 prophets. He decided to have this competition or this meeting. He already knew that, that Jezebel and Ahab would kill him in a minute if they could. And then he had to deal with all 850 Baal worshipers besides, 400 and 450. He had to deal with all of them. So he was already, what if God didn't answer him? He was, he was, he was done, wasn't he? If God didn't show himself big. Okay, so, yes. Uh, verse 22, then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let them give us two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves, cut it up and place it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood and I will not put a fire under it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered and said, that's a good idea. <laughs> so Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose an ox, prepare it first for you are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. Then they took the ox, which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon saying, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no answer, no voice, and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar, which they made. And it came about at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, call out with a, vo a loud voice, for he is a God. Either he is occupied or gone aside or is on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. So they cry with a loud voice and they cut themselves according to their custom. Demonic. Demonic manifestation. Always when you see that and you're dealing with kids or people, it's a demonic manifestation. If you see them cutting themselves, amen? With swords and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And it came about when midday was passed that they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Verse 30, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Do you know what the altar, altar there, another word for altar is, is prayer. It's a synonymous, synonymous of prayer. So what do you think has broken down in America? Prayer has broken down. Amen? Prayer has broken down in America. Church don't know how to pray, and the church isn't praying. And if they're praying, they're praying amiss. You know what I mean? There's a scripture verse that says that. Okay. Okay. So uh, all so he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. I think I had a little bit more. Um, okay. Because it was, because that altar was in shambles, um, that's, th that shows you that they, because they hadn't been praying, it was easy for them to walk away from God. They hadn't been in fellowship. It was easy for them to walk away from God. Okay? That's why everything was in such a mess. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number, verse 31, of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. So with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And he did. And then he told him to do it a third time. And the water flowed around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. Then it came about at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, oh Lord, this is his prayer now. He's praying right here. After he, you know, he did all the water business so that no one could accuse him of accidentally starting a fire. You know what I mean? All the water, everything was drenched in water. Everything, okay? Oh Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and I have done all these things at thy word. There's a key right there. He did everything. He already knew from the Lord what he was supposed to do. He had already heard from the Lord. He did it at his word. So he had a relationship with the Lord. The Lord had told him what to do. He did it. 
I mean, he knew what the outcome was going to be. He already knew. So when we are in a pickle, like he was in a pickle, and all these people were against him, he had a word from the Lord. And you can have a word from the Lord by spending time in prayer with him to know what to do in the situation. Amen? Um, let's see. So basically, if he had messed up, there was a slim chance, a slim chance of revival. I mean, a slim chance of survival. <laughs> survival, right? We're talking about survival. <laughs> and revival anyway <laughs> okay i was just looking at the clock i i was going to talk about do you want me to go on and finish talking about the things we keep our, our fire lit fit what we need to do okay here we go Twelve thirty. here we come <laughs> three o'clock maybe okay i mean long worship long long message <laughs> Okay, so let's look at Revelation then. You probably all know this one. This is, this is um, my husband used to teach on the churches a lot too, the different churches. And um, in, in Revelation and in 315, it was the Laodicea. Um, God's saying, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. See, see he wants us to be hot, basically. He wants us to be hot. I'm, um, I'm not quite sure. I don't know if I have an understanding on, on the cold part, but I would assume it's easier to get people turned than ones that have already experienced the power of God or that have experienced the warmth and the, and the presence of the Lord and then they've turned and gone into the world, that it would be harder to turn them. I think there's a scripture verse that talks about that. Harder to turn them back. Right, guys? <laughs> you guys are looking at me like... <laughs> but it's harder, it's, harder, it's harder to turn some. If you've ever experienced that or been with people that have experienced the power of God and then and, then, and tasted the power of God and, and then um, they walk away from it, they walk away from it. It's harder to turn it back to it again. It's the same with when you're doing intercession, you know, and you take back the ground that the enemy has has um, taken from you, and you go to take it back. It's harder to get that ground back than it was the first time to get it. It's harder to get it back. Okay, same thing. Okay, let's look at... Um, um, so, so the first thing, if you want to write this down, is to surrender... And we talked about this some surrender to his lordship. He needs to be lord of your life. When you say he's lord, is he lord? Is he the lord of every decision you make? Have you surrendered to his lordship? Is he lord of um, whether you're going to go out with a, a group of buds to drink? Is he lord there? Is he lord of your life then? I mean, every area he needs to be Lord of your life. Is what he telling? Is he telling you what to do, or are you just doing what you want to do on your own on your own uh, dime? <laughs> is he telling you what to do, or are you doing it yourself? Are you running and controlling your life? If you're doing all your decision making, then your life is not surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. If you're making your own decisions, but if you're following after him, see he. From the beginning of time, he's ordered every one of your steps. Every one of your steps are ordered. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. So he knows what those steps are, but do you? Have you spent enough time to find out what step you're supposed to take here and what step you're supposed to take here and what step you're supposed to take here? And what do you do if you miss a step? Yeah, you repent and get back on track. But every step that you have... He has already ordered it. It's already been ordered. So if you never get on those steps, are you ever going to fulfill what God's called you to do? No. Mm -mm. Nope. Nope. Now you can, you can eventually get on those steps and he can accelerate you into where you're supposed to be. But 
You got to get on. You got to get on. On He has to be Lord of your life. Amen. He has to be Lord. You need to surrender to his lordship so that he can live through you and do and instruct you as to what your steps are to be. Because on these steps, there's people that you're going to come in contact with. There's people that are going to need to know Jesus. There's people that you need to pray for to bring healing to them on these steps. And if you're not on those steps, is that going to happen? God's got to get a different plan for those people because you're responsible for them. Anyway, um, so surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. In order to come alive to Christ, you have to die to self. I, I couldn't help but think of Catherine Kuhlman. She was always saying that that was the key to her things working miraculous in her life. Well, she died to self. I can remember years ago saying, Lord, how do I die to myself? Can you show me how to do that? You know, it's surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's self not having a say anymore. Self not having a say. God has a say. Amen. Okay. Um, so, so a lot of times our life is centered around self. We do everything to please self. Self wants this, self wants that. And, and so we need to be, we need to be, our life needs to be centered around what does God want. Amen? Okay, so Galatians. Let's look at Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Oh, I was going to read it out of the Amplify, but... Let's see. What, what it, um. I have been. I have been. And see, this is a good scripture verse to meditate if you want to die to self, if you don't want self raising its ugly head. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer, I mean, memorize. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Amen. And then um, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is such, this is a good one too. I, you hear me say this a lot in church. Um, 7, chapter 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 23. You are bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. You know, when you, when you, when you get out in the world and you're in an area of sin, you've enslaved yourself to that. See, but Jesus has paid the price. He's delivered you out of that area of sin. So you're not enslaved to men anymore. You're enslaved to God. So that's where we want to, we want to be. We want to be enslaved to him and not enslaved to men. Men in the world. Men in the world. Amen. And you know, you, you maybe have to work a nine to five job. But you always do your work as unto the Lord. It's never on your own. On, and you're, you're never trying to do it uh, to gain a, f- a fleshly um, recognition or whatever. It's always, always God getting the glory. Everything we do, everything we do is always God getting the glory. It's always as unto the Lord. Okay, that's the first one, surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. The second one is to stay focused, focused on things above. And let's look at Colossians. That's setting your mind on things above. Colossians 3. <laughs> Colossians 3. Mm, no, I'll read this one out of the Amplified, I guess. Um, I have Amplified by it, but it's good without it too. So Colossians 3, um, Okay, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, right? New life. Thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds, set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the highest, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. So, one way that you can make sure you're not yielding to your flesh is by setting your mind 
on the things above, not on the things that your flesh wants. Set your mind on things above, not on the things your flesh wants. Is that clear? That's clear. It should be clear. Okay. So set your mind. Set your mind where it needs to be. Uh, <clears throat> okay. The, like a fire that goes out naturally. You know, a fire will go out unless you, unless you tend it. That's kind of what we're talking about, the fire on the inside of us. It will just, if you don't do the things you know you're supposed to do, it will go out. It won't be the fire that it needs to be. So Jude 20, we don't need to turn there, but talks about building yourself up in your most holy faith and keeping yourself in the love of God, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, and then praying in the spirit. Amen? <laughs> praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. Uh, and then Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So, so... We want to hear what the Word of God is saying. We build ourselves up that way, spending time with Him. First uh, Timothy six. First Timothy six. Ten through twelve. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with them with many a pang. But flee from these things, young you men of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. So flee, flee from those things and pursue faith, love, righteousness. Amen? Okay. Uh you need to be uh, intentional on fanning the flame and disciplined. You have to want it. You have to want it. You have to want to keep your, your fire hot. You have to want that. Amen? Okay, so the fourth one is, what's your purpose? This is where I find people lose hope then, and they, and they waffle. What's your purpose? What is your purpose? Mark 16. Now, just a minute, Lord. <laughs> Mark 16. You all know this one. Mark 16, where it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's our purpose. That's our purpose. That's everybody's purpose. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And that's your purpose. The other one, the other purpose is, uh, another one is um, um, 2 Corinthians 5, where it says that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Each one of us has been given that ministry. So, so there's, no, there's no place for letting the enemy tell you, what am I here for? What am I here for? What do I, I, what do I have to live for? There's no place for that. If you, if you spend time with God and you know what he has said in his word, you have a purpose. But people will lose sight of that and they get hopeless. They get hopeless. Do you know when you lose your hope, you're already, you're already, you can tell when you lose your hope. I've talked to you about this before. When you lose your hope, you, you start wandering in the wilderness, you know, and you, you have no hope. Um, um, trying to think of an example. Um, you just have nothing to live for. No purpose. There's just no purpose. You can tell when your hope goes. Um, your eyes get over on the on the things of the world. Um, and um, well, let's just use let's just use Richard leaving. I could look at that and lose my hope. But instead, I got busy and spent time with the Lord. I found my purpose. 
he not only I found my purpose, but I got understanding on what more there is to come, what I was supposed to do. But see, if I had focused on him leaving, I might not have ever got up and done anything more for the Lord. You see what I mean? That hopeless position that you can move into real easy. People do a lot. A lot of times, people with sickness and disease will move into that hopeless position. Okay, so obeying what you know to do will lead you. Um, Philippians two. <laughs> you guys all doing okay? Philippians two, and that's verse twelve. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. King James says both to will and to do uh, his good pleasure is working. He's working in us to bring about his good pleasure. Amen. Amen. So what is your purpose? What is your purpose? That's your purpose. And you know, there's more than just what we, we, the reconciliation, the things that we're told to do. There's more than that, that we're called. You each have a calling and that's your purpose too. What is your calling? And when you're in that place, when you're in that place that you're called to do, it is so much fun. It is just enjoyable. It's a blessing. God's right there meeting every need that you have. Even when you try to burn the tree down. You know? You know? I mean, he's there meeting every need that you have. Every need. I mean, I can cite all kinds of things like that. You know, but anyway. Okay, number five. (laughs) Fellowship with fired up people. (laughs) Fellowship with fired up people. People that are going somewhere with the things of God. People that talk the things of God. People that, you know, when you walked away from them, you're not discouraged, but you're encouraged in the things of God. You know what I mean? And so um, surround yourself with people that are fired up about the things of God. Um, And uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians 6.14. We're just about done, guys. 2 Corinthians Oh, too far, too far. Six, Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 14. Okay, do not be bound together with unbelievers or for what partnership have righteousness and the lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? You don't spend time with unbelievers. Nope. You get yourself built up and full of, full of life and full of the power of God and, and encouraged. And then you take and you go, you'll find somebody that needs what you have. You know, you don't, don't spend in time fellowshipping with darkness. You don't do it because it's going to lead you the wrong way. Now, if you have a mandate from God to go into a bar and preach the gospel, that's a different story. But you just don't go in the bar and preach the gospel. If God tells you to go in there, aha, you're laughing over here. You, you just don't. You just don't go. I'm going to go in there and share Jesus with all these people in there. Well, did God tell you to? Did God tell you to do that? If God's told you, that's a different story. It's a different story then that means you're anointed to go in and do that. Okay? All right. So so what fellowship does dark have with light? People, you know, young people that are, are um, getting, getting married and if they're in fellowship with uh, uh, people that are not born again, it's a no-no. It's not, you just don't do it. You just don't do it. Amen? You just don't do it. It's, it's just not going to... You know, it's it's just a lot of extra work on your part. <laughs> anyway, Philemon. Philemon. Let's see, where are you, Philemon? Six. 
doesn't have chapters in Philemon. My, my husband used to quote this scripture verse a lot. I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. When you fellowship with somebody, that, that fellowship is around what God has done for you, what, what God has said in his word. And when you fellowship and, and you come away from that, it causes your faith to increase. It causes it to become effective when you're fellowshipping about the good things that God has done, what God's promises are. Amen? What God's promises are. So my husband always used to say, you know what fellowship is? It's two men in a boat. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what that means, but two men in a boat. But he would always talk about you can have fellowship, but if, if, it's, not, if it's not the God kind of fellowship, nobody's going to come away encouraged about the things of God. Amen? About the things of God. That's what we, we need to watch. Um, so those are the five things that you need to keep your fire going hot, going hot. Fellowship with the right kind of people that are, that are hot. Okay? Fellowship. Be encouraged by them and you encourage them. And then you get hot and you go get someone else hot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go, go light their fire. And um, um, what's your purpose? What are you here to do? Stay focused on the things above. Stay focused on the things above. Live for him. Make Jesus Lord of your life. Jesus needs to be Lord of our lives. If he's not, we're not going to do what he tells us to do. We're not going to live for him. And, and we're going to be a church that's going to continue to allow the destruction that has come upon this earth already already so i believe the church is rising up i believe the church needs to we have some keys today in dealing with that spirit of bail you know that's it's kind of run rampant but the church is greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world greater is he that's in us and you know what we have that fire we have that light we have the life on the inside of us and the life in the darkness cannot overpower it cannot overpower it. If there's one person here standing for revival, one person in all of us, in, in, in the whole earth, one person standing for revival, God's still going to honor it. He's still going to honor it. Amen? Amen. Father, we just want to thank you for your word today, that it is alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you, Father, that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes the work on the inside of each one of us, including me, Father, that you cause us to prosper in everything that we do. You cause the word to prosper on the inside of us and bring, bring a change, bring a rearrangement, bring a glory, bring a help, bring a hope. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for your help. We love you, Father, we love you, Jesus, and we love you, Holy Spirit. We give you all the glory and honor. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.